Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast, episode 40, uh, whatever, I'll look it up later. Got Sean Pendergast on the show today. I'm going to throw Michael Lombardi on tomorrow's episode as we endeavor to bring you three magnificent episodes per week, and we're shooting on making next Tuesday a fitness day, health and fitness Tuesdays. Please subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on radio.com, leave a rating wherever you are. That would be awesome. And uh, more feedback. I've been getting some really good feedback from some of you. Seth at DeceptivelyFast.com is the best way for me to get it and know exactly what it's regarding. Seth at DeceptivelyFast.com. And go ahead and give a rating, leave a review, whatever you want on iTunes or anywhere else. Sean Pendergast today, we got into all his picks. It's all NFL. It's NFL heavy. If some of you guys worry that we delve into college, college football too much, then don't worry about it this week. There's about 37 seconds of talking about Army-Navy, uh, a game which I've attended once, once in my life, and it is incredible, the pomp, the circumstance, all of that stuff. And uh, after that, it's all col- it's all NFL football. And also, we detour a little bit into discussing what it was like in the 1980s 80s and early 90s when parents were paranoid about cults and how fun it was to mess with parents because they were all terrified that we were all going to be in satanic cults mostly because I, I think it was mostly a fear of uh, Ozzy Osbourne and it wasn't Iron Maiden Judas Priest I can remember my grandma freaking out about my brother playing a Judas Priest cassette tape I don't even want to get into cassette tapes kids and what misery like look the greatest generation fought in the war uh, then my parents either fought in or protested the Vietnam War but then my generation had to deal with cassette tapes and that's why we were so damn apathetic about everything Deceptively Fast Podcast, episode 30-whatever. Here's Sean Pendergast. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast, episode 33, I believe. Uh, Sean Pendergast, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you, Seth? I'm good. I'm a little shocked. I'm almost, I guess, dismayed that it's week 13 already. And I look at the schedules and see that every 14. 14. Yes, yeah, sorry. 16, that just 70. Son of a bitch. Yeah, I know. You just lost another week. Well, I know there are four games left. Yeah. And then there's the wild card round, right. the divisional round. But it just, this NFL season seems so much shorter to me. I think for two reasons. One is that the local team is doing well, finally, you know, after a three game uh, just uh, slumber to start the season. Yep. They're doing great. The Texans have won nine in a row. But two is just the, the complete lack of drama surrounding all the things that might kill the NFL, like the, the anthem, um, the CTE issues. Like, they're still there. I think the public just kind of consciously took a step back from acting like they care about it. Yeah. Let, let's be honest. They didn't really care about it necessarily, but now they're just saying, like, yeah, we're really going to give it the stiff arm to the conscious. I'm not going to let my kid play football, but I'll watch you guys on television play football. Yeah, the, well, the, you know, the, a lot of it's centered around the movie Concussion coming out with Will Smith a couple years ago. Yeah. And um, I think people just decided we're not going to rewatch Concussion, <laughs> unlike a lot of other movies out there. You know, these other movie franchises sustain over time because people watch and rewatch them. I don't think I've been flipping through. You know, I got all the movie channels, HBO and Cinemax and Showtime. I don't think I've ever seen Concussion come up it one time on my on my uh, viewer guide. Good for you, Roger Goodell. <laughs> you put the kibosh <laughs> okay. on that somehow. And, and and that's and when you're saying what you just said, Seth, about the league being relatively off-field drama-free. Here's the scary thing about that is that Roger Goodell probably thinks that by burying his head in the sand and by 
doing a couple very cosmetic changes to the rules and some gigantic settlement that looks a lot bigger than it really is for all the former players, that he handled this thing perfectly. <laughs> you know, because the problems, he's like sweeping his hands together, going, I took care of that. And I think we know, even just from this Kareem Hunt thing that's popped up in the last week, like, no, Roger Goodell continues to handle anything other than TV contracts, like a bumbling clown. They act in a lot of ways like they're still a small confederation of owners who bought their franchises for $25,000. Like, they're so multi-billion in so many respects, but then there's other times where they're kind of like, well, look look at here. Like, the small town uh, judge that's... That's actually running the town or something. Like, well, look at here. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna tell people that we investigated something, uh, but we're not gonna actually investigate it. We'll tell the public, wink, wink, that uh, yeah, Kareem Hunt. We uh, we did our due diligence and we saw nothing of interest. Right. And Kareem Hunt goes on ESPN and says the NFL never talked to me. Like the NFL never the NFL never talked to him. You know what's interesting? I I read a bunch of articles about that, and I love reading Michael McCann from Sports Illustrated because mm. he does a really good job of really good giving you all the relevant. The legal actors. And I think it was him that pointed out that the investigation was still ongoing. Obviously, they weren't getting cooperation from the police. The two things that were interesting to me was that, one, the NFL likes to work from the outside in. So they like to get all these interviews, get as much information as they can. And that way, when they've got the the perp, so to speak, sitting in the chair and they're interviewing Kareem Hunt – they can upend him, you know, and they can catch him in lies or catch him in inconsistencies. Yeah, that now that that, that approach makes sense. But it's been a year. Well, and if the re- <laughs> but if the reason why it shouldn't stop you from ultimately talking to the guy who is who committed, I get it. Like you can't go get all your ducks in a row the way you want to because the police aren't cooperating. You can't get a hold of the tape. Um, you know, maybe the victim's not cooperating. Whatever the case may be, but that still doesn't. That still doesn't eliminate the fact that something happened right right unless you're the nfl and you believe nothing at all happened you should still i would think have a conversation with the player right well i wonder i wonder if they talk to his friends and i'm sure that's out there i just haven't read it or i don't remember reading it because if you watch that video he had what at least i it seems like at least three of those guys in that video were his friends like was it was it his friend that he actually shoved to the ground alongside the woman I'm not sure it was everything was very unclear yeah but at least a couple of guys holding him back seemed to be his friend we needed so. a we needed a version of the video that had like captions of who each person oh, where, is yeah. kind of like, like when they, Kareem's girlfriend yeah. Kareem uh Kareem's friend <laughs> the, like in that the key victim and, the key and peel video that goes through and shows Obama shaking hands with everybody <laughs> and shows like <laughs> right. has different has different versions of yes. who those people are yes yes or Actually, like the old like the old pop-up video show you ever watch pop-up video on yeah. VH1 the, yeah yeah the music videos and they just whoop. pop little the random dispenser facts. was invented in 1960 I used to love that show man <laughs> I used to love that they could have done that for us on that video too so I, yeah, I don't know if they've actually gotten better or if they've gotten better at the PR side of things. The way the Redskins handled the PR of the Reuben Foster signing was one of the if, – if it weren't about such a serious topic, the comedy of errors oh. in first saying like, well, who's the most beloved member of our organization uh, that is less, least likely to get public scorn? Doug Williams. Let's go with let's the first African-American yeah. QB to win a Super Bowl. And let's put Doug Williams <laughs> up there and make him sign his name to it and have him say that we interviewed all his former teammates on our team that played with him at Alabama, to which 
I, I guess they didn't even form those guys because they asked. I can't remember which guys they asked, and, and they were like, oh, Jonathan no. Allen's on there. Yeah, there's. I think there's Ha-ha like five, Clinton Dix. There's five former Alabama players on that team. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a couple of them said that they didn't, and then and then in just in claiming, well, we didn't, we conducted our own investigation. We didn't need to talk to Tampa police. Well, and then he we, called everybody criticizing them. I think the peanut gallery or something like that. Oh or, yeah, and, and he's like, oh, the peanut gallery is going to yep. say this and that, and it's like, dude, and, it's not the peanut gallery. It's the domestic violence hating part of society. And he also said that there are there are people doing lots of bad things in all parts of That's society. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what it was. It was you like, look at the rest of society. The NFL is actually much better. It was the what? classic, well, he did it. Yeah. You know what it is? It's, he, he's been watching too much cable news because both sides, left and right, oh, love, yeah. love the old, like, well, when Clinton did it or when W. Bush did it, yeah. nobody had a problem at all. But now Quite. when we do it, right. it's always like, well, the other, and they always point to it because it happens in sports, too. Sports fans are bad at this because they'll say, well... You know when uh, when oh when Mark McGuire got caught doing steroids, nobody cared at all. Well, 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 yeah, they did. It was a really big deal. Yes, there were congressional hearings. Yeah, like so. Let's not act like that was the same thing. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of picks this week. I do. I do. It's, a, it's all NFL this week. All we have in in college football is Army Navy. Yeah. Which uh, no disrespect that, to them. I just didn't feel like picking that game. A game that I've been to, and it was uh, sometime within the last ten years. And it was the year that Army played Navy. Uh, that's all I remember. <laughs> from it. And they and I they remember they I remember ran. one of the teams or possibly both running the triple option. <laughs> it was cold, and they ran the ball. Yeah. A lot, yeah. Which uh, one of these teams is passing more than they used to? I can't remember if it's Army or if it's Navy. I. One of them is downright pass happy, like up to ten times per game. Yeah, probably Navy because I've watched Army a few times this year, and I don't they they run, 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 yeah. run. They're a top twenty-five team right now. Army is. Yeah. I mean, the AP top twenty-five. Obviously, the the playoff committee probably doesn't have Army anywhere near their top twenty-five. Yeah, because there's a conspiracy. Yeah, it's all about the Power Five. Man. So, uh, so you're you're saying screw you to college football? You've just got, for one weekend. You've yeah. got Panthers minus one. Over the Browns. You're picking the Panthers. Is this game in Cleveland, I'm guessing? The game is in Cleveland. Yeah, and yeah. I actually – I'm glad you mentioned that because I accidentally have the Panthers capitalized in my post. i got to go correct that. Oh, because you're the actually game is picking – No, no, I'm taking oh, the, the Panthers. Okay. I'm taking the Panthers. I have okay. the wrong team as the home team, though, okay. so i, I got to go – got to fix that. Um, I, I tell you what. I don't know what to make of the Panthers right this moment because Cam Newton went from like, wow, he's same old Cam, same as he's ever been, to now he's not on the field when they're throwing uh, the last pass of the game. Yeah. And there's questions about whether it's his health or not. And he hasn't been the same guy at all the last couple weeks. And I, I wonder, I get a sense that Ron Rivera is very much on the hot seat. You've got a new owner in there. Yep. I don't get a sense that this is like a, an Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy. Wow. The damage, the, the relationship is damaged. Yeah. I could see this. I could see this Carolina team continuing, continuing to play very hard and fight for their coach. Yeah. I don't think it's at all toxic. I just think they're yeah. losing football games that, that, I think maybe we overestimated the effect that that Steelers win might have had on them. They were six and two going against the Steelers in that Thursday night game, and the Steelers beat them fifty-two to twenty-one. They haven't won since then. The games they've lost have all been close games. But like last week, for example, they lose to Tampa Bay, and Cam throws four interceptions. Like I, I just think there's there's been a lot of weird things going on in the in the Carolina games. The one thing, even though they're losing games right now, the one thing they're doing really well is getting the ball in Christian McCaffrey's hands and running the football. And I think from that standpoint, part of this pick for me, Seth, and it's it's Panthers minus one, so I'm basically – the Panthers just need to win the game, is I, I think a few things. I think, one, 
I think Romeo Cornell may have broken a few of the codes on what to do with Baker Mayfield, that bad defenses like the Falcons and the Bengals weren't doing the, the weeks before that. So I think maybe the Texans put some things on film that, that'll that'll help the Panthers in this game. I, I think the Browns play hard. I think they're going to try hard. I, I think this is better than your garden variety Browns team, obviously. But I think that I, I, you know, I think Ron Rivera and that defense will do some things that'll confuse Baker. Um, the Panthers, as I mentioned, run the ball really well. I think they're fourth in DVOA running the football. The Browns are one of the worst rush defenses in football. Those things tend to travel pretty well on the road. So I think the I think the Panthers are going to be able to impose their sort of tempo on the game. And if you look at the Panthers' schedule, look if they are a team that's still playing hard, which I believe they are, like you just said. They they need to win this game. They play the Saints two of their final three games. So if they're being realistic looking at their schedule, and they're 6-6, six and six, so they're right in the mix right now yeah. for that last wild card spot. I think they're a half game out of that last wild card spot. So if they're being realistic about their schedule, they're looking at this game going, we have to have this game. Like if they lose this game, the season's over because they're going to, at best, they're going to split with the Saints probably. And this is just a perfect matchup for the Panthers in terms of them being – they're the best at rushing the ball in the NFL. In terms of yards per carry, I don't know where they are in total yardage, but the effect that Cam Newton has on that rushing offense is just a, that's what they can do. They can churn out yardage. And the Browns, the Browns are in that weird situation where they're a good defense with a horrible run defense. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, it, it's, it's weird because it, on one level, I don't feel like their pass def- defense is completely squelching, and yet because they're. They're a high-risk, high-reward defense. They blitz all over the place. Yeah. And at times, they can be exposed because they're not they're not schematically sound. Like yeah. Greg Williams just says, "All right, screw it. I'm going to bring a whole bunch of dudes from right here." Yeah, he's and just, we're exposed he's, just in the back. he's slamming his fist yeah. on the button. But we've got this deep safety lined up 35 yards behind the line of scrimmage, yeah. so at least it won't be a complete home run. But I I think that the Panthers will really be able to control this game. So yeah. I like that, especially minus one. I like. It's got to win. That seemed a little slight, and I think that's affected a little bit by the fact that they've just botched close games in the last That And, and I, I've said to you earlier in the season, Seth, the Browns, and it, it's only been it's only been pumped up by the fact that they actually do play pretty decently now. But for two years now, the Browns have been one of these plays that the Sharps love to climb on because they feel there's there's value with the Browns. You know, the the, the Joes are all going to be betting against the Browns because they suck. So there's this there's this snapback effect where the smart vote the smart betters always seem to climb on the Browns. And as it turns out, the Browns just aren't nearly as good as what as what that effect has right. on the number. And I think you're right about Romeo Cornell cracking the code a little bit with Baker Mayfield. Part of that had to do with that Romeo was able to play with a three-man pass rush at times and drop eight in the coverage because the Texans are able to rush the passer yeah. with three guys. You know, on that first pick six, Jadavion Clowney got a really nice pass rush, you know, as part of a three-man yeah. pass rush. Yep. But I think that the Panthers are capable of doing that too, just throwing a bunch of zone at him, making him think he's seeing cover two when, in fact, it's cover three yeah. or cover two trap and all these. Uh, the next one you've got – Broncos minus five and a half over the 49ers. Right. This game is in San Francisco. Did it is. You, did that you one pick I got this right on here. Before the news about Emmanuel Sanders? I did. I okay. did. Yeah. And the, the line has actually gone down to minus four and a half. Okay. Um, so I did it. But I, it doesn't change my pick. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't picking the Broncos based on the fact I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to have eight catches for 190 yards or anything like that. And I don't feel like Chris Harris being out either. And, and Chris Harris is actually anticipating being back by week 17 or perhaps in the first round of the they playoffs if yeah. they make it. Um, because, look, like, like George Kittle is the only thing that scares me about that 49ers offense. And yep. I, I don't think Chris Harris is going to be charged with guarding no, covering, no. Uh, George Kittle. No, this is, a, this is just a trend play for me, Seth, which is the, the Broncos have been – 
I, and I'll even take it back to the Texans game. You know, it's, sometimes we learn, sometimes we learn retroactively about how we should have felt about teams a few weeks ago. And I think when the Broncos missed that field goal at the end of that game, the feeling about that game was, boy, the Texans lost a coin flipper to a bad team. As it turns out, the Broncos may have hung in, hung in in a slugfest with a team that turned out to be pretty good. And it turns out the Texans went on the road and got a win against a team who's better than what their record was at the time. Because since then, the Broncos have beaten the Chargers on the road, and they beat the Steelers, and they went into Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati's a bad team, but they went in and took care of business last week. They beat them. That was one of my best bets last week was the Broncos over the Bengals. Um, And I think this is just a really similar game to me to that Broncos-Bengals game. Bengals were starting Jeff Driscoll in that game, so they were starting their backup quarterback. The Broncos are – their defense seems to really be getting their legs under themselves. They're going against Mullins, who's not – you know, he's a backup. He's not a first-time starter. He started a few games here. Um, But the 49ers, they're – this – as I start to identify teams that look like they're kind of packing it in for the year, the 49ers kind of fit the profile for some of that. And the big thing for the Broncos is Case Keenum has stopped turning the ball over. Yeah. And that's he's protecting the football four straight games without a turnover for Case Keenum. If they go on the road against this team and protect the football, they will win the game by a touchdown at least. If they're playing the type of Philip Lindsay too, by the they're way. They're supposed to play right, and Philip Lindsay has rushed the ball really well. Uh, and he's not the same multi-purpose threat that Saquon Barkley is. But as he's far explosive. as like, as far as strictly of running the football, yeah, I think that. I, I'd rather have Philip Lindsay in some respects because I feel like he churns out yardage steadily and consistently. Yep. I don't want him long term necessarily. Um, no, but right now in week 14 of this season, like yeah. he's a good guy to have on your team. Right, and, and you're exactly right about Case not turning the ball over, which is something that I thought he had cured and fixed in Minnesota because even though he had some bad turnovers last year, he had a stretch where he didn't throw a pick for like five weeks in a row. Yeah. I felt like he had learned his limitations yeah that's always been the issue with cases I think there's a part of him that goes back to University of Houston where he could just throw the ball up Sling and it. you know and guys are either wide ass open or he had some damn good wide receivers in that conference yep they could do something with it and he slowly over time has learned what he can and can't get away with and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna compare him to Tebow because he's got a he's a much better overall passing quarterback than Tim Tebow was mm-hmm. but in Tebow's time in Denver Part of the reason they won games while they were winning games was that Tebow wasn't turning the ball over. That's right. Just, just keep it simple. Do what you can do. It's what's kept Tyrod Taylor employed in the NFL for the That's last it, few yeah, years, yeah, right? No just don't take any chances, and you can hang around and win enough games to where people think you're a serviceable starting quarterback. First, don't beat yourself. Right. The first rule is don't beat. It's a Hippocratic Oath of football. Mm-hmm. First, do no harm. Uh, <laughs> Cowboys, which, by the way, did you know that's not actually part of the Hippocratic Oath? I don't, you know what? I've never read the Hippocratic Oath. I just know that it's what's supposed to protect us against shady doctors. It's, that's what, that is true. Yeah. And I also have never read it, but I also thought, like, I guess a lot of people think that the Hippocratic Oath is, like, the first part of it is that first do no harm. And I guess that's something completely different. Wow. Yeah. So I've always, I've been citing. It seemed the, to be kind of an I, important thing. To I don't feel that bad about it because I've been citing the Hippocratic Oath for as first do no harm for, like, 40 years now, and nobody's ever stopped me. Do you so. feel like you have an intimate knowledge of the Hippocratic Oath because you're a football player and you've probably had like a couple dozen surgeries? I should have had a better one of it. It's not like they have to recite it to you. It's not like your Miranda writes. 
<laughs> it's not like the doctor has to get up and like, oh, uh, here's the thing. First, uh, first, I'm gonna try as hell, try like hell not to not do anything. hurt you. Uh, second, I'm not gonna try to have sex with you while you're out. Okay, <laughs> that's that's generally frowned upon, like without prior permission. But, I mean, unless you're into it. You're into it. No. All right. Uh, <laughs> thirdly, we're not be selling any of your body parts without your permission. How many okay? surgeries did you have in your career? I had. I was trying to count it up the other day. Not to put your business out there. No, or anything. It, it gets a little tricky because then I Hippa start to wonder, all. like, okay, was a scope a surgery? Yeah, I guess so. If I went anything where the skin was penetrated it was i think it was 13 or 14 okay yeah so in about let's see i think it was like six or seven on my knees specifically but uh yeah you do the one thing that freaks you out the first time it happens and then it stops freaking you out yeah can you understand is when they write no on the leg that they're not cutting on (laughs) (laughs) just like wonder like this is some low-tech bullshit right it's it's in in marker you know it just says no (laughs) at least you're not writing your name on you right like they (laughs) forget who you are like we went in to give the guy, you know, I, yeah. I forgot. I didn't know it was an ACL. I went in and did a Tommy John surgery on the guy. <laughs> now the, Seth can throw the ball 115 miles yeah. an hour. <laughs> Some Russian experiment. Sorry. On. I forgot yeah. to write Seth on you. Do you know, uh, remember the episode of Seinfeld where Jerry Seinfeld wakes up and he thinks that the dentist and his yeah, assistant might have been messing with him? Yeah. Uh, I, the one time that happened to me, and it wasn't because I suspected anybody of messing with me, but I went under, had this long surgery, and it, it ended up taking like, two three hours longer than they thought it was it was a really complex surgery and they found more so when i wake up my underwear is gone because i'd gone in wearing underwear and the iv was in a different arm so i'm asking people i was like so um so what what happened i don't know nothing nothing i don't know i don't know not nothing i know thought they were covering up i would understand like the doctor wouldn't necessarily know if the anesthetist was doing because they're kind of in their own little world so maybe they had to use a different like maybe a vein vein they couldn't find a vein yeah but i'm like my underwear was gone like did i did i piss myself like what the hell happened dude but and how would i do that when i was under other than that if like some reason my vein collapsed maybe i can't maybe i woke up yeah Pissed yourself. Pissed myself. They, they knocked had to, you like, back out. Somehow knock me back out. I was freaked the hell out. I could not get any answers from anybody. Did you eventually get answers? No, I didn't. And now <laughs> I, I haven't talked <laughs> about this, this in over like a decade. Wow. I didn't want to ask too many questions. I, I liked the people that Did were Did this just become them. a very special episode of the Deceptively yeah, Fast I just, Podcast? I, think I just recovered a memory. <laughs> And, by, oh, and also, and then they they forced <laughs> like, me to be in a cult for like three that years. Episode of Facts of Life where Natalie lost her virginity. <laughs> okay, last last extreme tangent off of this tangent okay. will be, uh, I I started reading and uh, and listening to some podcasts actually about that whole recovered memory craze back in the eighties, yeah, and early nineties, where everybody was terrified of recovered memories, and there were kind of like some some quack psychiatrists or therapists that were convincing people that they're recovering memories when really they're implanting memories and yeah people's. like basically convincing them of things especially with children yeah. when they'd interview children this was before they really learned how to interview children about their parents so there were a lot of they they would find out later on that there are a lot of like divorce situations where an unscrupulous or or just an incompetent investigator convince these kids we're like so did uh like did daddy touch you did he so he did right or they'd ask them leading questions um so they would form these memories yeah, that were really kids, fugazi memories kids are extremely impressionable yeah. or they're just they want to please yeah so they say yes this is what happened you know and now they know all this and they've learned how to interview kids properly but but in the midst of all that was also around the same time everybody was terrified of cults so there was this one case 
where it was so unbelievable. Like, it was logistically impossible for this to have happened. But it was like a Midwestern daycare that somehow somebody created a story that they were, like, taking kids south of the border in Mexico and doing weird things with them in this weird cult and then getting them back to the daycare, like, in an amount of time that would have actually been impossible. But they had all these kids testifying that it, ex- wow. that it actually happened. Oh, that's wild. But this one person had just – it's nuts. Uh, I'll have more details for everybody. <laughs> Is I, there a documentary on it or Yeah, there's, a, there's at least a podcast about it. I have to go back and search for all, all right. this stuff that's now. That's your homework and explain assignment. To you. It's, it's terrifying that sounds- stuff. It's, it sounds engrossing, though, in a really disgusting kind of way. Yeah, well, and then because do you remember all the like the anti cult stuff when we were in oh, high sure. school? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Was, my school was talking about banning banning black. Because, and we never got that far at my school. And I don't know how it was at your school, but at our school it was one of those things where like, oh, the kids realize the parents are freaking out about cults. Well, we're sure as hell gonna like do a pentagram. We're gonna do a pentagram in a circle, like in Weed Killer on the football field. <laughs> Not because anybody's actually in a cult, but because they knew it was freaking parents out. Yeah, you know, like, like messing with parents. Their kids. Are they, this only comes along one time. Yeah, freak, messing yeah. messing with parents. And it, and it freaked them out, and it did the trick. That's funny. So uh, speaking of cult members, Raiders plus twelve and a half over the Steelers. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know p- p- there's probably a lot oh, of I people. skipped over. I skipped over your Cowboys over Eagles. Yeah, too. and I and and the one at the top we skipped over too. We can circle I'm back. I'm skipping to. all of these. No, no, no. You skipped the Chiefs over the Ravens at the very oh, beginning. Oh, I have it. My copy and paste job was bad. Okay. Let's, start, let's do that one then. Okay. Too. You're taking Chiefs over the Ravens. Chiefs you, minus seven over the Ravens. Minus seven over the Ravens. So even without Kareem Hunt, has Kareem Hunt gotten any respect on the football field? Uh, here's This is an interesting topic, and I felt validated by this because I brought this up on my own uh, on Tuesday, no, Monday or Tuesday. Um, cause Rich was, Rich was making this Kareem Hunt thing on our show sound like it was going to be the end all be all for the chiefs. And I said, well, look, the not end all be, I shouldn't say that, but he, he made it, he made it seem like a really big deal. And I'm not saying it's not a really big deal. However, uh, if you were, if you were looking at the chiefs and pretend that Kareem Hunt didn't do anything domestic violent, pretend he's just, pretend he's a, he's a choir boy yeah. for a second. And the football gods came down and asked you, a Texans fan, because the Texans may face the Chiefs in the postseason, you can remove one offensive weapon off of the Chiefs. You get one, that's it. Okay, obviously Patrick Mahomes would be the first choice. After that, I think Tyreek Hill, for me at least, would be the second because of the element that he brings. I think Travis Kelsey would be the third because he's irreplaceable. I just think in general running backs are – I'm not saying you can just go plug in Spencer Ware and he's Kareem Hunt, but I just think of the things that make the Chiefs what they are. Clearly, Mahomes is like two thirds of it, yeah. and then after that, it's the the element like Tyreek Hill's speed, irreplaceable. Travis Kelsey's tight end things that he does down the field, irreplaceable. Kareem Hunt, the things he does. Somewhat replaceable. And, and even if it's not replaceable, I'm glad you brought this up because I hadn't really been thinking about it this way. Um, but it's that. The Kansas City Chiefs are one of these modern teams that uses the pass to open up the run. Yes. You know, and Kareem Hunt takes advantage of that, especially or, or the pass when they throw it to him. These screens of his where he's facing much less resistance than a lot of other guys would because people are so worried about – defensive backs and linebackers are so worried about the second and third level that there's opportunities there in the screen game. Yeah, I don't think Spencer Ware is going to be one bit as electric as Kareem Hunt, but I can see what you're saying, that that's not – they can also they can use Travis Kelsey out of the backfield, yeah. you know, not as a true running back, but for some misdirection. So 
they're going to lose something, but they're still such an electric offense to begin with that how much is that going to be? Yeah, if you're asking me who I think the best offense is in the AFC is right now, it's the Chiefs still. So if I still feel they're the best offense in the AFC, then I've got to feel like at home, I know they're not a great defensive team, but I don't know how sustainable this Lamar Jackson thing is in, in Baltimore. Um, they, you know Him running the football yeah. as much as he does. He got knocked out with a concussion in the previous game. It sounds like he's going to play this week. Um, I just I, I, I feel like the Chiefs at home are going to score enough in this game, and they're going to figure out the Lamar Jackson thing that uh, I think they can cover a seven-point spread. So let's see. What did I uh, – I got us out of order. What was the next one? The next one – well, we hit the Panthers. We hit the Broncos. The we next one was the Cowboys, I believe. My Cowboys minus three and a half over the Eagles. And yeah. I just saw you – I saw – Ross Tucker tweets something about it looked like an offensive lineman from the Eagles talking smack about how the Cowboys always choke. Okay. Uh, what, Probably what, Lane Johnson. What are they, it wasn't Lane Johnson. <laughs> what are these guys doing? Is I it Brandon Brooks? I don't get it. If it's not Brooks it or Johnson, they boy, if it's not Brandon Brooks or Lane Johnson, then they really have a ton of shit talkers on that offensive line. Because it wasn't Jason Kelsey. And God. then everybody else is injured, right? It's <laughs> probably somebody just trying to keep up with all those guys in the trash talk department. It's, uh, Jason Peters is their left tackle. I feel like he's. Jason, I just I glanced at it really quickly before we came on here. Yeah. Um, but it, it's uh, it's really strange to me. It's, yeah. It's really strange to me. I like the Cowboys in this game. I know the Cowboys beat the Eagles in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. Um, in a primetime game. Oh, it was, it was uh, Brugier Hill, or Brugier Hill, okay. however you pronounce that name. Yeah. You say so. <laughs> um, but, you know, the Cow- I think we all know the Cowboys are a hot team right now. They've won four in a row. I, I just feel like the Eagles have been perpetually overrated all year long. Um, and-, and it seems like the people are climbing back on the Eagles now after them beating the Redskins. And they be- it was Mark Sanchez under center for most of that game. And before that, it was Colt McCoy. So... Um, the Eagles' defense is a shell of what it was last year. Their secondary is incredibly banged up, and I know the Cowboys aren't the perfect team at all to take advantage of a banged-up secondary, but the addition of Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott throwing the ball just well enough during this four-game winning streak I think is enough for them to make enough plays in the passing game where it's going to open all sorts of things up for Ezekiel Elliott. So I just I like the Cowboys at home. The Cowboys can knock the Eagles. They can end their season with this win at home. Uh, on uh, on Sunday, the Eagles will be six and seven. They still got to play the Rams. This is uh, it's it's this Gruger Hill character, the linebacker. I was way off on the offensive line. Okay, part. this is the first I've seen of this, but of course, uh, by now it's already blown up all over first take and everywhere else. Let me play this for you. I mean, look at Dallas history. They always choke, so we'll go down there and make them choke. That's Gruger, Grugier, Grugier Hill. Never heard know. of him. Uh, he says it with a little smirk on his face, too. He, with just like six words, ignited a fire with this game. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who he is, but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that, that Boy, this, this Eagles team, man, they, this goes back to the offseason where they, they just – I don't know that I've ever seen a first-time-ever Super Bowl-winning franchise feel more empowered over a postseason over, run. Yeah, and talking about how the Patriots' way is dumb. Yeah, obviously. like they, all of a sudden it's like they invented football. Well, and Lane Johnson, who said you know he'd rather just win one Super Bowl than have to live in misery the way the Patriots do, that sounds all well and good at the time. But I wonder about Eagles fans now as they keep mulling that over. Like, okay, Lane, you've got your Super Bowl, but like, we're going to be fans for the rest of our lives of this <laughs> yeah, team. Yeah. We'd like to, we'd like to have extended it a little bit. Like, yeah. what the hell is that? Yeah, that comes off as it comes off as one of those entitled professional athletes. Yeah. Things. What do you think of the Cowboys? Um, 
I think that their defense is for real, and I think that I, I think that you go back to almost two years ago where I'd say that there's something there with Dak Prescott. I don't know exactly what it is, and I feel like his development was arrested by two – he was in purgatory for two years mm-hmm. um, where he just really didn't have any viable wide receivers. Jason Witten was, was not himself. Aging. Like you know, Jason Witten was a savvy guy but who couldn't do anything with that right. savvy. It'd be, like a, it'd be like when a pianist gets arthritis. He knows how to, like, he knows how to play the damn piano, yeah. but he can't do it. That was Jason Witten, yeah. so he was no help. Des Bryant, obviously, was a, was a mess. Uh, the offensive line wasn't the same as when he was younger. And I think that, but I think that what they have is sustainable enough to go ahead and play close games versus really good teams. Um, I don't know if it carries on the road. And I don't know if it gets you through several games in a row. Yeah, I, I just I look at their defense, and I we all make fun of Jerry Jones, but damn, they've done a really good job of assembling some talent over yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. The Jalen Smith pick is working out great for them. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level. The Leighton Vander Esch pick. Yeah. A lot of people wanted to take Calvin Ridley last year because they needed a wide receiver. They look like they're set at inside linebacker for the next few years. Demarcus Lawrence is a really good pass rusher. Well, I guess that's what I would say is moving on into the future – I think they have the they have the the basis for what could be a really good team for a while. You're right, like exactly what you said about the defense. That defense can be good for a while. Now. Yeah, I, Sean Lee is a like if, at some point Sean Lee's head is going to fall off his body. Right, uh, like he's going to have the ultimate injury at some point. But they've they've accounted. For yeah, that. but that was that was always the secret sauce with beating the Cowboys was they were like for yards per play on defense with Sean Lee on the field. You know they were like the '85 Bears, and when Sean Lee was injured, you know they were they they were like the, you know the '85 whoever right. was terror the '85 <laughs> Bengals. Which in that Rod Marinelli defense, that's that's what you need. You yeah. want like rangy guys that can help out. You can help the backers out, or excuse me, help the defensive backs out. Yeah, um, allow them to play with a little bit more cushion, cover the seam, do all those things. And I I think that there's way more room for defense now than people thought there was in the first half of the season. I yeah. think there's just still so much power or ability for a team like the Saints to to be upended. And I think I talked about this with you last week. I, after the Cowboys beat the Saints, I just wonder if the Saints are a little bit of like that San Antonio Spurs type team where they're just so finely tuned that they roll along in the regular season, but that when they get to the postseason – um, you know, when the Spurs were like this in some years, some years, obviously, they were genuine they contenders, it, yeah. but there were other years <laughs> where it was like, okay, as awesome as they were in the regular season, they had no next gear. Like, they were just, they were that good, but they didn't present certain matchup issues for other teams. I don't know if the Saints, given their issues at wide receiver and whatnot, are, are the same matchup issue for other teams. As the Rams might as be, they, or the yeah. Chiefs might be. I think, I think that's fair. Um, bottom line with this game, Seth, I took the Cowboys at minus three and a half. It's actually down to minus three in a lot of places. So oh, okay. I would I would climb all over the Cowboys if it remains a field goal. And then the last one, real quick. Two left. Uh, yeah. oh, you've got, how did I miss all these, That's Sean? okay. I'm going to blame the Houston Press. That's okay. They're, yeah. They, I, Not I, the easiest know, I, cut and paste site. Well, I, I used the reader view, but still, it didn't yeah. work out. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I've got two left. The Raiders plus 12 and a half oh, over okay. the Steelers. Um, I know the Raiders are two and ten. I know they're a big punchline right now. Um Here's the thing about this game is that the Raid ever since losing to the San Francisco 49ers in a Thursday night game, they got blown out a month ago. And that was everybody – that was the funeral moment for the Raiders was that 34-3 loss to a San Francisco team that was – I think they had C.J. Beathard as their quarterback that night. Or it might have been Nick Mullins. I don't remember. But um, since then, the Raiders are 
a couple of scores away. They're a late score cover against the Ravens and a late meaningless field goal, you know, in terms of one loss against the Chargers away from being 4-0 against the spread since then. Um, they, they, they were competitive against the Chiefs last week. The Steelers play the Patriots next week. This is a classic situation uh, where the Steelers are not going to be putting anything out there in this game. The Steelers are going to be going out to Oakland just trying to get the hell out of there with a win. Yeah. No James Conner in this game either for the Steelers. He's been a, been a big part of what they do offensively. And I know the Raiders are 2-10, and 10, but I, I, like, I watch Gruden's press conference every week, and Gruden doesn't act like a coach where the, the walls are caving in around him or anything. He's got a pretty good spirit about him. And they've got a quarter. I know Derek Carr's not what he was a couple years ago, but in a game like this, I feel like Derek Carr, especially against that Steelers secondary, can generate enough offense to stay within 12.5 points at home. There's part of me that wonders with Ben Roethlisberger. Now, obviously, they're not out of the playoffs like Green Bay pretty much was. Um but I wonder if there's part of him that looks at Green Bay and sees how Aaron Rodgers kind of connived his way out of he his wanted. relationship with Mike yeah. McCarthy. And, uh, like, I don't mean to accuse Aaron Rodgers of anything, but it was, like, publicly ugly all of a sudden. Sure. And people were talking. Yeah. And some people, quote-unquote, close close to Aaron Rodgers yeah. were talking. He so got you the wonder. word out. Um, see, I wonder if part of him – Starts to wonder, like, okay, like, is, yeah, you got rid of Halley. First, you got rid of Arians, then you got rid of Halley. Now I'm with this dude, and uh, I maybe our relationship has run its course as well. Here's the dangerous thing to me, Seth, just from a Texans perspective, about where the Steelers are right now. The Steelers are only a half game ahead of the Ravens yeah, yeah. in the AFC North. So if the and the Ravens all of a sudden are playing pretty good football, and I I gave my pick. I think the Chiefs are going to take care of the Ravens this weekend. But let's pretend for a second that the Ravens go in and upset the Chiefs. And they stay right on the heels of this. I think the Steelers will beat the Raiders, but I think I don't think they're going to cover that number. The bottom line is that the Steelers play the Patriots next week. If you're the Texans and you wind up as a three seed, I would think you'd rather see the Ravens instead of the Steelers in the three versus six game. Am I right? I, yeah. I Even would, a cold yeah, Steelers right. team is is really scary. The only thing about the – I guess with the Steelers, you know what you have to be scared of, where with the Ravens, it's a little bit of an unconventional deal. Assuming yeah. they're still using Lamar Jackson what, at that point. Yeah, what's yeah. that old uh, fortune cookie thing about fighting an unconventional opponent? I don't, I don't know. know. Is it in The Art of War by Sun Tzu? It, it probably is. Okay. I bet my dad was reading it like while well, he was like <laughs> Joe Businessman mode back in the 80s. Yes. He was reading Art of War. Um, but I yeah, I think as long as Lamar Jackson's healthy, he's going to be the quarterback. Yeah, I do too. You can't just stop in the middle of a joke. And, and like that, the city of Baltimore, and I'm imagining the organization of the Ravens is pretty much – Done with Flacco yeah. in terms of being the hope for the future. The only thing is I would think with respect to what I just said about the Texans, I would think by then that that's going to be enough film for Romeo to kind of figure out what they need to do yeah. with Lamar Jackson. I mean, they're going to be one-dimensional either way. So you can't throw the football. Last one, Seahawks minus three over the Vikings. This is a pure. This is like the one I had a few weeks ago, Seth, where I just came in and told you it's Kirk Cousins in prime time. Yeah, that's all. It's this is a Monday night football game this week. It's, yeah. it's in Seattle. It's Minnesota. I I'm shocked at the level of respect that Minnesota still gets in the odds making community. Seattle's only a field goal favorite. Their home field advantage is still one of the best in the NFL. Kirk Cousins is still a bad quarterback in big situations to wit the Vikings against the Patriots last week where they went on the road and and they just got completely flummoxed offensively, the Vikings. I just I'll continue to fade Kirk Cousins in these primetime yeah. spots as long as they're as, as long as the home teams only having to lay a field goal. And the Seahawks are playing good football right now. Talk about the aftermath of the Philadelphia Eagles, where now Doug Peterson and John DeFilippo uh their their reps have taken a hit over the course of the last ten calendar yeah. months. Whereas Frank Reich, 
Frank Reich is emerging from all of that. Like, this might have been the guy. Frank Reich might have been the guy that really tied it all together. He might have been the fox. <laughs> the fox. And, um, the fox is what they call that in, in the sales world. They call the, the guy who, you know, when you're trying to identify who the decision maker is in yeah. an account, that's they call that the fox. Oh, really? Just because his title may – just because you're calling on someone who's got chief in front of their, their title – just because you're calling the highest in the organization doesn't mean you're calling the guy who's the true decision maker. It could be somebody in the in the in the next layer down. You got to ask the right questions to identify who the true decision maker oh. is, the true impact player, yeah. the fox. And then with the Eagles last year, you had Peterson, the head coach, Reich, the offensive coordinator, DiFilippo, the well, DiFilippo, with he was a quarterbacks coach, right? DiFilippo was the core. Wait, who was the – was Peterson was calling the plays? Peterson, no, uh, Reich was the quarterback's coach, was he not? No, I thought Reich, Reich was the OC. Reich was the OC? I okay. thought he was, yeah. yeah. Um, but at any rate, um, it may turn out that Reich was the fox. He was the brains <laughs> of the organization. What do you call uh, – you're right, he was the offense coordinator. Um, what do you call the person that might not be the decision maker but has an extreme influence on the decision maker, like, like how Under Armour got Steph Curry? Remember, they went after his buddy there. I can't remember the player. He was kind of like a, you know, like the tenth guy on the roster, but he was buddies with Steph Curry. And Under Armour like gave him a contract, showered him with love, knowing that this guy was telling Steph Curry about how awesome Under Armour was. You know, what so, we call that. I'm, I'm going to make this up right now. I, I didn't have a name for it. Did you? Did you watch Ballers at all? I didn't. Okay, I watched the first two seasons. It was really entertaining, and then for some reason. The third season was not nearly as entertaining as the first two. So I've punted since on Ballers. And it pains me because I love The Rock. But there is a player who uh, was represented by the agency that The Rock's character was part of. Um, I, I forget the name of the, the player, but he was the defensive tackle for the Cowboys on the show. And they were trying to get him signed to a new long, long-term deal. And they were trying to get him to sort of play ball on a bunch of things. But the guy who really kind of controlled – what that player thought and that player's decisions was his cousin named Reggie, oh, who was okay. part of his entourage. Yeah. So you had to placate Reggie to get, I think Vernon was his name, to get Vernon to do anything. That's a powerful You had, you had to placate to Reggie. So we'll call that guy Reggie. So we'll he's a Reggie. Him. He's the a Reggie. The, so the guy, uh, Steph Curry's buddy was a Reggie. He's a Reggie. Sometimes like the administrative assistant is the Reggie. Yeah. Like somebody there. Sometimes a guy's wife might be the Reggie. Yeah. So you got to placate the Reggie. Get, get out to dinner and impress the wife. Yes, hmm. absolutely. You know who the Reggie is a lot of times in in uh, college football recruiting is the mother or the grandmother. Oh yeah, right. If you can get the mom on your side or the grandmother on your side. Um. Well, that you know what? That's exactly what happened with uh, uh what's his name, the running back in with the Broncos that we were just talking Phillip about, Lindsay? Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay is a Colorado kid. He lives at home right now. Yeah, exactly. He's living at home right now. And after the draft, you know, there were several teams that hadn't drafted him but wanted to sign him. And he was a little put off that the the Broncos didn't draft him. And he said, and I heard this in the Peter King podcast, he just, it was all kind of quiet and he was just sitting there and his mom just had a feeling. She said, you're staying home. You're, you're going to stay here. She so was he, the Reggie. He went with the mom. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe in one of those mom knows, workouts man. or something, like yeah. somehow something about the Broncos, maybe it's the fact that they lived there and she wanted him to stay at home. Yes. Good for Philip Lindsay actually uh, actually living at home. That's Saving impressive money. financially. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's on that undrafted money, man. What if he's got, like, what if he has a serious girlfriend or something, though, and she's probably kind of like, you know, we, we could, they have, like. I used to live in Denver. They have basements in Denver. Oh, okay. That's so what basements are for. You imagine you're, yeah, I know they have basements because that's what, uh, 
That's what the backup quarterback, that's what Chad Kelly walked into. It was somebody's basement, right? <laughs> that's right. Wasn't it their basement that he walked into? And if you, and if you live on a hill and it's your basement backs it. up to the hill, there's yeah. actually an outdoor. A lot of basements have an outdoor, you know, a door to the outside. Right, you're built if into you, the if side If you live of on the, the right side of the hill, you got yeah. a chalet-looking thing. Yeah, yeah, And man. you might have backup quarterbacks wandering into uh, where your man. wife is Dude, hanging out with your infant child I grew up in the northeast as you know as did you we could do a whole podcast on what the basement meant to the teenage love oh, life yeah. back in the oh, day God. I don't I know, know how kids in Texas operate terrifying man. that's why they're so that's why they're so damn pious down here <laughs> yeah. there's no basements how they operate <laughs> the best dude. thing about the basement is that the stairs are always creaky yeah <laughs> so oh, there, was like, there were warning signs as everywhere as long as you're on the blind side of the, ba- dude, of the staircase the older <laughs> the house too you could hear the footsteps coming towards oh, the door yeah yeah you had so much lead time yeah. <laughs> so much lead time and as long as you didn't have to stand up thanks man good luck this weekend anytime so there was sean pendergast i'm inspired by something that we did a couple weeks ago which is when clint shane asked which bear is the best bear and i did my research and i discovered that the best north american bear was indeed the black bear i enjoyed that research so much that i thought to myself what do my listeners want to know so i googled the top thousand questions asked on Google and some of them are are frankly fascinating and I I saw a few of these questions and I thought to myself people can't possibly be this stupid but then when I investigated those questions it turns out that I was the stupid one considering and like of course one of the top 10 searches that is run on Google is can I run this and immediately my thought was wow uh, what the hell are people, are people dumb enough to think that like if they're trying to run some program, they can just go over to Google and say, can I run this? And that Google's going to know what they're talking about. But I was way off. That's not what they're asking at all. I'm going to tackle that. Uh, maybe a couple per episode till we work through the, th- the whole thousand. This stuff fascinates me. And a lot of these things are questions to, you know, you know, in this internet age where sometimes there'll be something that you don't know and you haven't known it for a long time, but maybe you've been curious about it. And then one day you realize, why would I not know this when I have the internet at my disposal? Like, why would I not know? I don't, I can't even think of anything. Like, let's say Pangea. Let's say you didn't know what Pangea was, but you'd heard people reference it before. And you just always kind of hear it. And then you move on and you don't know what it is. When you realize, like, oh, all I have to do is Google Pangea. And I'll find out it was the old, old single continent back in the day. Uh, Things like this. And I found this as I'm going through these thousand Google questions that there are a lot of things that I kind of wish I knew and there's no reason for me not to know them. So let's 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 get rid of our collective ignorance about simple and plain things that we should know one episode at a time on Deceptively Fast. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll have Michael Lombardi tomorrow as well as a few other thoughts, including can I run this? Can I run this? I don't know. Can you leave me a review? Of course you can. Deceptively Fast podcast. Also, uh, deceptivelyfast.com. I'll start posting the episodes to there as well, so it's one more place to check. Maybe have a few people blog. And uh, any suggestions, comments, Email me at seth at deceptivelyfast.com.